Hi, this is Adina here with today's episode of Wonder Your Way to Brilliant, podcast of Courage to Be Curious. And this year, if you've been following us so far, you know that we are tracking the teachings um, of the Yamas and Niyamas as they are presented by Deborah Adele in the book, The Yamas and Niyamas, Exploring Yoga's Ethical Practice. And in the month of January, February, that is really, February, that's really about love, we've actually been talking about the principle of nonviolence and the interesting relationship between nonviolence and our capacity to be loving, to love and to be loving. And I wanted to talk about an aspect that Deborah Dell brings up in this section that just runs, I mean, I think I could peel back a million layers of the onion on this one. <laughs> and I know that I certainly have again and again for myself, and every time I think I've peeled it back, the, the magnitude of the layers yet to come are still there. So let's just take a little bit and explore today and see if it resonates with you in any kind of comparison as to how it resonates with me. But so the aspect of nonviolence that one of the aspects that she raises is this idea of dealing with powerlessness and the relationship between violence and nonviolence with the sense of feeling either powerless or as though we actually have agency and some kind of control. And so when we think about powerlessness, what I think is fascinating about it is all the different things that it encompasses. So certainly there's the external world of the things that may not be within our immediate power or control. An example that she gives is like your car breaks down on the side of the road and you were on the way someplace important and suddenly you know, you're very directed in going and now you are standing on the side of the road and this sense of powerlessness can overtake us and can then lead us, if we think about it, into violent responses. We're angry at the car. We're angry at the last person who repaired the car. We're angry at the tow truck that's not there on time or the AAA that's not coming out to fix it or the fact that we don't have the money to, you know, this wasn't money we wanted to spend on doing something, towing it or, you know, fixing it or having to wait for a car to be repaired or any of those things, right? This sense of powerlessness that I can't get to where I'm going, that the plan I made is going to be disrupted. So there's outward things like this that come up all the time. The restaurant that's not delivering our food in the speed that we hoped that they would. Um, somebody at work who doesn't get their piece of the project done in time for us to you know, follow the plan that we had to get it done. So we live in a world with all these external circumstances that we honestly don't have any control over. And so it can be becoming subject to one of these things we don't have control over can push us into this place of feeling powerless. And when we get pushed over that threshold into powerlessness, that it can evoke violent responses, violent towards ourselves, violent thoughts toward others. And when I say violent, I don't mean like I need to hit them or kill them or take a gun to them. I mean, not nice, right? Like not compassionate, not loving, things that energize that part of us, that fighting part of us, that protective part of ourselves. All of that is considered violence in this definition of it. And so being pushed over that threshold can so easily take us into that place. And when we're there, 
we're by definition not in a loving place. And this is the relationship between, you know, this powerlessness and the non-lovingness. And why, you know, I position this in the month of February where we think about loving, loving ourselves and loving others. There are also, of course, the ways that we are emotionally pushed into a state of powerlessness. So not just these physical, external things that we can point to, but in relationship to somebody else. You know, we had been hoping for something to get a certain response from somebody about something. We give a gift and we're hoping to get a certain response from it. We want somebody to be excited. We want them to feel appreciative of it, all those kinds of things. And that doesn't happen. And then we go into this place of feeling, maybe we feel hurt. Maybe we feel silly for having put forth the effort. Maybe we feel we wonder, am I putting more in than the other person is putting in? Maybe we feel like they don't really care about me. And we can go equally into this place of powerlessness that, you know, I am the victim on the other side of this. And if we think about it, all the thoughts that emerge from that are thoughts, you know, not nice thoughts about the other person, or perhaps I'm not deserving of it. And that's why people don't treat me the way I want to be treated. So, there are all kinds of ways that emotionally we can slide into this place of powerlessness as well. And the important bigger picture around all of this and the sense of powerlessness is that powerlessness is a state of being that we actually have control over. That's the paradox of the whole thing. We can feel as though we're pushed in there. We can feel as though we've been, you know, shoved or sunk or, you know, at the mercy of all of these things. But the truth is this feeling of powerlessness is actually a state of being and a state of being is always something we can have control over. I bring this, I mean, I bring this up for so many reasons, but, you know, I notice in myself, and I imagine I'm not the only one out there, is that there sometimes can be something very seductive about staying in a state of powerlessness where we get to blame or put on someone else or something else the blame for why it is we feel the way we feel for why we feel badly, why we feel anxious, why we feel victimized, why we feel uncared for, why we feel unloved, why we feel sad, why we feel hurt, that it prompts us to want to do that. And so it's seductive to stay there because then someone else is to blame for it. The alternative is for us to take responsibility for that state of powerlessness and to realize that regardless of who or what said or did anything that ultimately we're responsible for our state of being. That we choose, are we going to stay in that violent state? Or are we going to use one of the tools that is available to us to shift out of a state of powerlessness and victimhood into something else that we choose? And so Deborah Dell offers us some of her strategies that she thinks are important ones that's in her toolbox for how does she shift out of this place of powerlessness. And one of them is one I use and recommend a lot as well, is she uses a practice of gratitude. Because it really is 
impossible actually for the mind to be both in a deep state of gratitude as well as in a great in a deep state of powerlessness right and when we can convince ourselves that it's time to leave the state of powerlessness having a practice of gratitude is something that can take us there so i'm grateful for and it really doesn't matter grateful for people in my life grateful for my surroundings grateful that there's nature grateful that you know i have air to breathe grateful that my body works and functions in the way that it does. It doesn't really matter what the object of the gratitude is. It doesn't even have to pertain to the event. Although she will offer, and I've done this as well, car stuck on the side of the road, I'm grateful I have a phone to call for help. I'm grateful that I'm safe. I'm grateful perhaps that someone pulled over to see how I was. I'm grateful that you know, it was a breakdown and not a car crash. So that gratitude can pertain to the specific circumstance and or gratitude in general will serve just fine. But as soon as we shift into that state of gratitude, we are by definition out of powerlessness. A second tool that she offers in the tool belt of shifting out of that state is to trust in the moment. I happen to think that learning how to trust in the moment, particularly the moments that we don't plan for, particularly the moments that feel the most uncomfortable, particularly the moments that challenge us the most, are the ones that we need to learn to trust in. Those are the ones that grow our sense of trust in ourselves, trust in others, trust in the universe, trust in a future state that we can meet. It's not trusting necessarily that everything is always going to work out because if we think about what everything working out means, it means according to some definition or plan that we constructed. And the universe is not always on the same plan as us. But it is trusting that whatever happens, that I can meet it and navigate it. Or that perhaps trusting that there may be a purpose behind something that I was not yet aware of. But some universal wisdom or energy is, or trusting enough that there's, for example, goodness in the world that when I need support, people are going to be there to support me. So it's a very deep practice to say when I feel powerless, can I trust in this moment, this feeling of powerlessness and trust that it is here to teach me, to guide me, to grow me, and then what in this moment can I trust in, even as I might feel badly about these other things? And then thirdly, another tool that she offers is thinking about others. Because when we're in a state of powerlessness, we are by definition self-absorbed. We're thinking about our own state, our own victimhood, what has happened bad for us, what has fallen apart that we had intended, what is not going right for us, and you can hear it, the me, 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 me. The entire universe is closed in, has become very small, and it's just about us. And as long as it's just about us, we can linger in that state of powerlessness for a very long time. So a strategy for moving out of that state of powerlessness is to turn our attention to somebody else. So that car breaks down on the side of the road. Well, maybe somebody was waiting for you on the other side. <clears throat> Can we turn our attention to them? What do they need? What do they need to know from us? What do they need to hear from us? <clears throat> you know, what will ease them 
so that they don't worry or that they can still get what they need if we were supposed to show up with something. Another thing that is out there a lot is that when we're in a state of powerlessness and we're kind of allowing ourselves to just kind of stew and brew about something that we feel like isn't good for us is, you know, who can we turn our attention to? Is there a family member or a friend that we can turn outward and say, you know, hey, I've been thinking about you. You know, tell me about you or how can I help or support you? There are those bigger ways of turning to volunteering. There's going into a coffee shop and buying someone else a cup of coffee. The truth of it is that it's like instant magic. We don't use this strategy enough or as frequently as we could. Turning our attention to somebody else, it literally is like flicking a switch from a state of powerlessness to suddenly becoming a person of agency and somebody with a great sense and a beautiful sense of personal power. So these are three of the strategies that she offers. There are lots of others. We're going to talk about more as we continue on this road of thinking about ahimsa, nonviolence in this month of love. But the thing that we can notice about all of them is as we turn our heart toward gratitude, as we turn our hearts towards thinking about others, as we turn our hearts towards trusting in a moment, all of those expand our capacity for love and compassion, and powerlessness closes our capacity. It closes our heart down. And so again, this is why I'm bringing forth these teachings around Ahimsa in the month of February, in this month we associate with love, because really the opposite, like, of this violent state is this loving state. You know, and nine violence is a prerequisite to being able to live in a world filled with love and compassion and able to receive love and compassion. So my teaching for the week, and I'd love to hear your thoughts about it. Send me an email if you're inspired to do so. Go ahead and give us a rating on iTunes. And if you are loving this work in the yamas and niyamas, Again, look in, my, uh, in the email and the newsletter. If you're not subscribed, go to couragetobecurious.com and subscribe to our newsletter because we have retreats coming up on the Yamas and Niyamas, other work related to it as well. And I know there's a bunch of people out there who are sort of following this and allowing it to feed their spiritual journey. So thank you for being with us. Thank you for joining. And I will be back again with you next week.